Good morning to everyone. Uh, it's a, such a beautiful day. It's, it's a wonderful atmosphere that I can enjoy here. You know, what the Reverend Q Kim says that there is a grace here. So that's the one word that I can say. It's abundant grace of God is here. And uh, I can see joy uh, from your face. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I woke up this morning at 3 o'clock and... Um, you know, usually uh, that's my character. Uh, when I think myself that I didn't preach well, I couldn't sleep well. <laughs> that's my habit. You know, it's like, oh, it's, I wish I could do much better. But, you know, it's like last night, I thought I, I couldn't done, you know, it's like what I wanted to do about last days and others. So when I c- came back to the hotel and I thought, wow, 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 what did I do? It's like 1% I shared. What, what did you do? <laughs> you know, said to myself, and then I couldn't sleep. So I woke up at 3, and then I just kneeling down before the Lord. The Lord give me first peace. <laughs> you know, the grace first. Because my heart is in trouble. Uh, that, um, like, you know, I, I was not well prepared, I thought myself. And um, the message that I want to share was not well uh, delivered, I thought, you know. So it's like, you know, it's, it's not done yet. And however, when I came here at the uh, Pastor Mimi's house, so the, all of the burden gone because I see the feast from your face and the grace from your face. So I completely forgot what I had. <laughs> and I thought, why did I do that? <laughs> so... Thank you so much for the beautiful house. Thank you for the uh, beautiful people. Actually, um, you know, the, all of you are like the, uh, for me, the manifestation of Christ. You know, because sometimes the people don't know. You know, and the, many of you remember the uh, Korean way. It's like the, uh, I said, the Pastor Mimi's husband is first generation Korean. Maybe she understands. Like there is always different cultural gap between the first generation, second generation, even to the third. The first generation is very rigid and stubborn. So the Korean people are always sitting, and then you know, their face is like always focal face. So you know, there is no any expression in their face. So that's what I learned from my father. That's what I grew up, you know, that very rigid family. But in American society, everywhere always joy. It's like there is always joy of children and, and good dialogue, happiness, and gladness. You know, it, it's like, and everywhere, and in the Filipino way, you know, the uh, Southeast Asians are very joyful, but Korean not. <laughs> so in Japanese, very similar. Chinese, quite similar more louder, louder than Koreans. <laughs> there, but you know, not here. But here, you know, everyone you express like the, uh, every beauty of uh, the good things uh, from the second generation and the third generation, what you have in this society. So I thought you have given me a lot of good impression uh, that I receive more blessings from you. So thank you so much for your blessings. And uh, I received it, so I enjoyed it. And, uh, and secondly, 
today the singing is much better than yesterday. I don't know what happened to you. Yeah, that doesn't mean that yesterday was not doing well, but today is much better than yesterday. So, you know, isn't it the every banquet at the Cana, you know, it's getting better. So today the banquet is much better because of the songs. Yeah, so thank you for the presence. I'm recording it. <laughs> so can I go over here? <laughs> you know what? The, uh, I like to share the little things about the, uh, actually the great emergence and the uh, holistic uh, leadership. But I prepared uh, like slides, the PPT, but you know, says that it's not available. So I thought that that's much better, and I can have you know, much shorter way that you may be able to uh, understand. Um, I wish I could give the, one of my books. Actually, I have uh, 40 books that I wrote. Uh, yeah. It's little more than 40 books. So one of, one of those books is actually uh, The Rise of Global South. I want to present this book to Reverend Q. Kim, but, you know, in fact... Really? Oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, so you release my burden. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. You know what? The, actually, because I, I, I have to buy because it's quite, you know, very expensive and very expensive. So, and then I wish I can write uh, every year at least 10 books for 10 years. That means 100 books. That's my prayer. So that's, I'm not kidding, but actually that's the Lord is giving me like a burden to, to, to engage his words to the world, you know, to deliver his message to the world. So that's what I feel. So all the time, I'm not good in detail like in medicines and others, but, you know, I travel all over. I always speak, speak in the different conferences and seminars. I always study on the different culture, the attitudes and gestures and the behavior and reactions of people and you know how they react, how they express, how they also interact. And uh, I've been interested in also different colors, the level of the Christianity in each country. Therefore, the, every expression in Laos, in Tanzania, in, in Kenya, and, in, and you know, the... Uh, like Tunisia, you know, all different expressions that I can see it. And I think when we go up to heaven, we see the all different elements combined together to glorify the name of the Lord. That's what I see. So we have to maximize what the American beauty is here. Also, we have to maximize other nationalities, the beauty. There are always the beauty out there. You know, the expression they have, their culture deposited for a long time ago. In their blood, you know, they have different expression of uh, beauty. So, you know, we have every beauty. So I want to see it all the time. So the, one of the colors that the studies by some scholars on this long time period of the beauty of the human nature in history is done by uh, the professor, the Phyllis uh, Tickle. The Phyllis Tickles, may, many of you I don't know, you know, but she is a very, very uh, prominent scholar. And, and she, she has been a professor in history and spirituality. She, she has the background of Catholicism rather than Protestantism. Later, she turned into the Protestant religion. 
therefore she has both, you know, the spectrum, the one in the Catholicism, the other one in the Protestantism in, 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 in the United States. And on the other hand, her bloodline has the English background, so therefore she has also a tremendous amount of uh, European heritage. Therefore, when she wrote a lot of books, like we call the, one of the best titles that you know, The uh, Great Emergence, that's the, uh, one of the steady seller in the United States, of course, in all over the world. Another one is Embracing the uh, em Emergence of the Christianity, and that's another book. And there is another one we call The, uh, the, the Characteristic of the, uh, the Emergence of the Christianity. So there are a similar one, but there are a lot more. So her uh, beautiful work uh, that I mentioned, which is entitled The Great Emergence, is the way that the, uh, in 21st century Christianity is not comparable to, to any other previous religion in terms of seeing the any European or American or the Middle Eastern or whatever. So we are living in a very new, 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 newer, newer, newer way of the Christian expressions than any others before any uh, continents or religions, regions or the lo localities, whatever. So her works on the expression of the great emergence is actually talking on so-called the uh, giant rummage sale. The giant rummage sale is like the, in American way, it's like the estate sales. You know, it's not the uh, garage sale. It's like when you move one place to the other, you know, maybe East Coast to West Coast, you don't need to bring all of your stocks. And actually, you have to sell them out. And then you have to newly design. I think when I came at the uh, uh, Pastor Mimi's house, I, I wish the Lord I want to have this kind of house. Actually, uh, in Boston, I, I'm living in a colonial house, 100 years old. And, uh, you know, in Boston, it's 100 years old is common, as you know. It always sounds like when you go up the uh, floor, it's like, you know, you know, so the uh, downstairs people always say, oh, don't, don't, don't jump on there. So, you know, so we, uh, it's a duplex house. So then my house has only one bathroom. Therefore, you know, when there are some guests, you know, always you have a problem. It's a very tiny uh, bathroom. So, you know, it's, and, uh, and also the heating system is not good. In this house is very tempting me. And I, <laughs> I said to the Lord, Lord, forgive me because I'm tempted. <laughs> so go away the seductions anyway. <laughs> you know what? The, uh, it's such a beautiful house here. You know, so we are, we, we are having this fellowship and with uh, such beautiful people that I believe. And, you know, but if I want to move here, why do I bring old stocks there? And it's like the garage sale there is, the uh, lampstands and all kind of, I don't need them all. I want to have the all, everything brand new here if I want to move in. You know, the same thing happened what the Phyllis Ticker says that the, every 500 years in history is after the Christ's birth, there is the greatest shifting happen. So it's like the first century, second century, third, fourth century, there are always new changes. You know, small, great. However, she doesn't say that this is shifting. But shifting meaning it's like the, something like one place to the other, transferring the older paradigm to the new paradigm, and something 
newer, but it's unbelievably newer than the uh, before. Therefore, you know, so we have always liked, you know, baton chains from my father's side to my side, my side to the, my children. There is always baton chains, but she said that every 500, there is no baton chains. It's a shifting. Therefore, you're living in the United States, suddenly you go to the South Pole. It's a new environment. You never have a that environment before. You know, you're living in Washington, D.C., but you, you go for, actually, there's no North Pole, ever, the Antarctic, you know. You know, anyway, you never have experienced probably Mars. That's happened in every 500 years in history. Therefore, we call the, uh, the early church paradigm, they create the Christianity, the birth of Christianity in European uh, uh, regions, such as, as the uh, Roman Empire, therefore Africa, Asia, and Europe. But this paradigm was dismantled when something happened at the uh, sixth century, that's 500 years. So that's a 476 by the Ottokir. Many of you don't remember that, like Attila by the Huns. You know, the, we call the Mazar. The Mazar is the uh, kinsman of Korean, probably northern people of the Chinese, because Korean breed is, comes from Turk, Turkic people along with uh, so-called the Huns. So the Korean name Han, Han Chinese, Han Korean, same pronunciation, but the Chinese script is different. Therefore, the Han means the same blood, you know, the tested by the many uh, medis, medical uh, professionals saying that the, the same blood. So the, they left the region in Manchuria in the fourth century, so around 313 or 314. And then they moved forward to the westward. Then that changed the entire European world. Because in the Roman century, in the Roman era, you know, see the, uh, the Mediterranean is like the old Latino people we call Romanco, meaning, you know, Greeks and the Middle Eastern so-called Palestinians and Babylonians and Medeans and, you know, the Persians and, you know, the Northern Africans, all of these. And suddenly in the sixth century, newer people came into Europe. You have never known who they are. You have never known where they came from. You, you have never have any ideas of what kind of people they are. Actually, two largest groups, which are called the Slavs and Germanic people. Germanic people are actually branching down into so-called the Goths. We call Gothic people. That Gothic architecture comes from the word Gothic or Goths, meaning barbarian. And another barbarian called German. That's the, what the uh, Roman people call barbarian. In the Bible, Roman says that with the U.S. Scythians and barbarian. The barbarian in the book of Romans is actually German, German. Such as Germania is actually the book written by the many uh, historians at the time when Apostle Paul wrote. Therefore, outside the Roman Empire is barbarian. Because there's no stick, uh, uh, special or specific ethnic name, but they are barbarian. They are outside of civilization. There is no civility. There is no any kind of system they can understand. There is no rule, law, system, and the, the way they education. There is no ruling society. They are barbarian. They call it the Germania. 
So they are the people one. So they modern day the Ukraine, some part of actually the, the between the uh, Caucasus, you know, the, the on the right hand side of Caucasus we call the Caspian Sea, on the left hand side Black Sea. So over there from the northern parts is the where the uh, the Germania, so called the Germanic people lived. And then on the other hand, modern day, the uh, so-called Central Asia, a lot of people live, so-called the uh, Slavs. Slavs originate a word from the Latins, Slavia, meaning slaves. English word today, you use slave. That's the uh, same word. Slavic people were the slaves because they live in the wilderness. They are nomadic people. They, you know, they are hunting. They are, they, they are hunter-gatherers, and, you know, they live like, like nobody in the world, like an animal, you know. So it's I have tremendous, you know, in my in my phone. I always think about myself. What kind of things you have in your phone? Because you know, I've been visiting in six hundred archaeological sites all over the world. So, you know, whenever I see it, of the Lord, I don't want to deposit in myself alone, but I want to share these with the people all over the world, because it's to one person too too much information that has. But you know, something I want to share more because it cannot be forgotten. Because this is, this is what the Bible says. This is what the grandeur picture was spoken before. And then now we see the, the greatest the, uh, picture of the changes we are seeing it. So I want to tell you the greater picture, but not the smaller one. You know, so that's, you know, let's see the 2000 year history from the birth of Christ. So the, in the 6th century, there's something happening just 100 years before 6th century, meaning 500, you know, 476 Roman Empire were collapsed by the one German soldier. It's almost like unknown soldier. His name is Dodecker, but in German style is Odaka. That's, you know, whether you pronounce, no one knows in the world. So I dare myself, okay, I call it Odaker. But there's someone called Odakir, but in America they Odakir. So it's not the Okinge, but you know, say whatever you call. But in German pronunciation is Odakare. So this one is truly barbarian German, originated from Hun, from modern day Hungary. The Hungary was is actually comes from the word Ungri. Ungri was called the Korean people Ungri. That's Ungri words as is we, we praise. So Ung means another one is the bear in Korean term. So, you know, as, as, as a student of history, I always surveyed all kinds of stuff all over the world. And then there is always like the connection, the people to people and story to story and nation to nation. However, you know, if you, because in my PPT, I, I, can, I can show you a lot of photos, but, you know, somehow you have to imagine it. It's like in the 400s, you know, the Roman world too big, and they divided into the north, uh, the eastern part and the western part, so-called the Western Roman Empire. Eastern Roman Empire is called the Byzantine Western Roman Empire. It's just like Roman Empire. Then, you know, they, they are unified, but still they just in harmony. They're working. But however, when Huns from modern-day Manchuria, they defeated by the Han Dynasty, so therefore, entire community, they didn't, didn't have any place. So they moved westward. 
it's a bunch of people. So there are like a wave of migration because they are nomadic people. So no, they are not having any problem moving one place to other. It's around 6,000 kilometers. So this is huge area. Even though you think that that's unbelievable. It's New York to North Korea. So that's the way that you know, actually they move. Thank you. You shocked me. <laughs> Do you hear me anyway? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what happened to, to the fifth century was actually one group of people migrating from the Manchuria to the western part. And then the Slavic people lived there for many, many years. The historian says that probably five to six hundred years. They are still there. And then because of the Huns, and they moved to the westward. And Germanic people living there is the you know, northern part of the Caucasus, more than the Ukraine and you know, southern part of Russia and some part of actually Eastern Europe. They were alarmed. And then they moved to the westward, so-called up to the Spain, they called Biscort, to the Balkans and Turkey, Oscort, to the Italy, they called Lombards, to the Nordic, they called Vikings. So Denmark, Danish people are the day one, and the Swedish, Norwegians, Icelanders, all of them coming from the one origins, which is called Gothic or Germanic people. They were living in an actually in that area, but they moved to the westward. So the, because of this, Roman Empire was existing in thousand years. But because of the uh, Germanic and barbarian attack, entire paradigm, 1,000 years old paradigm collapsed. That happened in 6th century. That's what the Philly Sticker says that. The older paradigm, there is like Roman rule, we say, every rose to Rome, in every way, the constitution, they are not common. You know, the way they you know, communicate, the way they have the uh, habit, the barbaric people, no, 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 they are living in the wilderness, they are living in the woods. So, you know, the European society, you believe now, that's totally different. That's a 500 years of the paradigm was no more. That's what we call the medieval. The, midi, the Middle Ages begun by the barbarian invasion. So that goes for 500 years. So beginning from the barbarian invasion, modern that we call the Iberia, that's the uh, older name of Iberian in Georgia modern day. They are called Slavs. But the big Slavs move forward, and then they take the name, the Iberia, for the Germans. So that's a discourse today in Spain. And then the, uh, we call the Franco, that's modern-day France. That's a German name. If you know the German, also that's also a German name, same name. If you know Nordic, that's a German name. If you say Anglia, that's also a German name. If you know the Saxonia, that's a German name. If you know Duton, that's a German name. If you call the Lombardian, that's a German name. All German name in Europe. That's how I want to travel and I want to see it. Oh, my goodness. Because what you believe Roman Empire is no longer in European society. 
there is no succession. There is no any so-called uh, button change you know, from the older generation because of new people came and they don't know what, what, you know, what to learn. So that's the uh, Spanish society, that's the uh, Franco society, that's the we call the Ro you know, Holy Roman Empire. Or we say also that's the one, you know, the Germanic society newly mingling into the new medieval age. And the English society, the Celtic people were actually escaping from the Germanic invasion. That's why they go into the hillside, that's what we call the Wales, Gaelic people or Celtic people. And also the, uh, the original people in, in England, you know, they were not able to live. So they go forth to the highlands, that's called Scottish people, the Gaelic Scots. And also a lot of the English people migrate into the island, that's the Irish people, the Irish Celtics. You know, there is no original people in England. Because when I was in, in England, you know, my professor in history, he wrote 100 books in the history of the uh, English. I thought, how could you write 100 books? Well, that's very easy because this is my part. <laughs> and then every time it's like I look like a baby because you know, I'm hearing everything, listen to him. It's like, oh, new, new, every, because my imagination, my idea what I learned from the book was not right. He talked about the history, that we are not the same people, Long ago, Celtic people, no, 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 they are not Welsh. They, they are not the English now, but the Welsh and Scottish and others. And then, you know, new people now say that we are English. But the English is a foreigner, actually. The English is actually diaspora. The English is actually Germanic people. And English is also Germanic language. It's not Latin language. The structure, grammar, everything, the Germanic language. German language, Batar, and Dutch, Bater, and then medieval English say Bater, and then modern English, W became wow, water. Now we call water instead of Ba. You know, the every English system is Germanic. But we never think about the Celtic way, Gaelic way. We never think about like, you know, the old English. There is no old English. There is only Germanic. So in history, you know, there's too many things. Like 500 years, something happened. Same thing happened once again in the year 100 AD. That's what we call the divisions. Of, we call the great schism between, you know, the Christianity. So the western part of the Christianity is called the uh, Catholicism. Eastern part of it is called the Orthodox. So there is no more harmony and unity. So this church division, they created modern day, the three traditions of the Christianity, the one is Catholicism, the other one is Orthodox, and the Protestant religion. So there are three branches today. So this creation made long-term difference. So Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Romanian, Bulgarian Orthodox, no longer the same as what we believe. And also the, uh, we call the the Egyptian Copts and, um, you know, so many uh, Middle Easterns and we are Maronites, Malachites and the uh, Church of Assyria, Syria, Church of East. All these traditions are totally different. We are very much stick into the uh, Western way of the Catholicism than the Eastern Orthodox. So when I travel in Lebanon, Syria, in, in Iraq, in Iran, I realize that this is, you know, way, way much different to what I think. You know, there's 2,000 years of difference. But the Western society was once again changed into the new era in the time that when 1,000 years of great schism happened. 
Therefore, this second stage of this shifting is remarkable. But we are saying we are living in a modern day. But the modern day was not diverted in the time of the high peak of the medieval time, but in the time of the Reformation. That's why even the secular historians call the Reformation is the beginning of the modernism or the modern days. So the modern comes from the Reformation in 1517. Therefore, the 1517 is the beginning era of the modern. So we call the pre-modern, modern, and post-modern. The three eras we have in the time period of 500 years. So the, everything is different, like the medieval way, the way the, the people worship the monopoly. The monopoly means there is no choice, because when you are born in Europe, you don't need to pay your tithe. You don't need to give any offering. You don't need to give anything, because you're, you're officially originally had to pay the religious tax by birth. So when I, for instance, if I'm born in, in England, you know, it's the, as a baby, I have to pay the tithe. So that's, you know, until you die. Therefore, sometimes some priest doesn't want to give the uh, burial certificate in order to collect the religious tax. So that's, as a historian, you know, I have tremendous amount of uh, uh, resources on this. And, and, you know, it's like European, when it comes to Christianity, oh, I hate Christianity, because their memory is like, oh, around 1,500 years, my family, family, family became slave because of the religious tax. You know, 10% you have to pay, and 20% to the uh, lords. Therefore, this feudal society, it's like making always the slaving system, so-called encomienda. That's where the uh, Spanish society, you know, the colonization is always bounded by the encomienda, meaning economic system within slavery. So these religious texts and, and every system like, you know, the priests, the monks, and prior have authority and power from heaven. Therefore, you don't have any right to resist me. You don't have any power against me. Therefore, when it comes to Christianity, it means I have my power from heaven. <laughs> In a heavenly power, spiritual realm power. Thank you, thank you. You have power from heaven. That's called the Pope is the biker of Christ, meaning biker means the ambassador. Or oh, another one is agent, only solely agent from heaven. So who can dare to challenge the Pope? Because he's the only one delegates the Christ himself. So the Christ is there in heaven. On us, there is another Christ. Therefore, from the Christ, top-down model to the bottom. You know, the, everywhere you have power of the heaven through the church. That system, that system made the Middle East paradigm. Martin Luther in 1517 had the greatest demonstration against this paradigm. It's not the Pope. He is not a biker of Christ. It's not the Catholic Church. It's not the tradition of the Catholics. It's not a way the Catholic Church believed. 
but it's the way the Bible tells. So we solemnly believe the scripture alone, sola scriptura, and only by faith we are saved. Sola fide. And only by grace of Jesus Christ we are saved. Sola gratia. And not only for this, the greatest things that we have in our life is actually the Bible. So therefore, Martin Luther brought the Bible into the essence of Christianity rather than the traditions and prophecies and the church tradition. Therefore, this was dismantling the fundamental of the Christianity in the world. That's the third, the greatest shifting in history, according to the Philistine. So then what happened? You think about 500 years. That's the we call the European colonization, European discovery of the new world. You know, it's like everywhere in Americas and Africas and in Asia's, you know, actually colonized by Europeans and European migrating to the different nations. They attain all the land, and then, you know, it's like the colonization swept all over the world. And that's the, uh, the everything's always European way of the modernization, European way of the housing, European way of the architectural design, European way of the academism, European way of the all the artist ways, the European way, that's all we call the Western society, the Western academism. And therefore, another new creation is actually done by American so-called two pillars. The one is in Europe, the other one is new way, the birth of the American continents done by the North American, mainly American here in the United States. They created so-called new way of the expression of the Christianity, so-called the personal religion in America. So we see here the 500 years since Martin Luther Reformation up to now. And then the, at the dawn of the 20th century, it's around 100 years time, another shifting is changed, uh, prepared. And you know, I thought, I told you that like in 100 years before the shifting and in 1500, the Huns came. So that's a 100 years of preparation. And 900, there is always we call the uh, theological debate between the East and the West, and therefore, and the great schism happened in 1000. And it's we call the forerunners of the Reformation, so-called the Chibingli and William Tyndale, and you know, the, uh, we call the uh, so many uh, Reformation forerunners all over Europe, they always declare the word of the Lord, and then the Martin Luther came out. So that's in 100 years preparation. Now we are living in the 21st century. There is another 100 years of the new preparation. So called the, at the dawn of the 20th century, you know, not many countries had accepted the Christianity before. Even Korean society, it's not long ago, only 1886. That's the, uh, the first missionary arrived in 1884. And then the, uh, in Filipino, only 1898, that's the first missionary came to the Philippines. You think in China, only after the Opium War, that's the 1848. And that's the Baxter Wars occurred that after the Second Opium Wars, that's the only at the late of the 19th century. You think the Laos in Cambodia and Vietnam, the Myanmar, many countries all over the world, and it's not. Even David Livingston, he was living there all in Africa. It's like late 19th century. It's not long ago. You think about 500. No, no, no. All of the uh, tremendous missionary Hudson Taylor, that's early 20th century. 
You couldn't believe the hospitality not late 19th century. You know, all of the missionaries you think, wow, David Livingstone, Justin Taylor, or Charles uh, Studd, you know, all others, you know, tremendous missionaries, their names are known just 100 years ago. Therefore, it's a new change that came. So therefore, we say 1800s, the 99% of Christians are living in the, in the West because mainly in Europe and North America. So no, other than that, no more. And then in 1900, 90% of Christianity in the world living in the West, 90, meaning North America and Europe, 10% outside of the West. And then now in 1985, the 60% of Christianity living outside of the West. And now in 2018, and 70% of Christians living in the area which is the non-Western world, so-called the global south or majority world. So it's not European, it's not North America, it's Latinos and Asians and Africans. And you know, it's newer. Can't you believe 2,000 years history when it comes to Christianity that's a European white religion? When it comes to Christianity, that's the history of the Western. That's the, when it comes to Christianity, that's the religion of the white people. Now, when it comes to Christianity, it's no longer the Christianity belongs to white people. Majority of them, the 70% of Christian constituents, constituents is actually non-white. And even in the United States, we say the 320 million people in the United States plus 300 uh, the 30 millions, uh, you know, the illegals, so, so 350 millions in the United States. Out of that, we believe 200 million Christians living in here in the United States, and then 100 million is actually Catholic, and then 100 million is personal religion. Sorry, I'm, my speech is very rapid because I have to speed up. I'm sorry, I have to calm down, okay? Thank you. <laughs> so what I believe, the 100 Catholic here in the United States and 100 mil million Protestant people here in the United States. And then we call the, uh, coming from the New York University, every year the, we call the Seder survey. The, every 10 years, you know, we have more than 100,000 survey. This is the, the most accurate survey in the whole world, in my opinion. So as a scholar, always I just, you know, watch and, and just the uh, diagnosis of what's going on over there. So it's about the Seder records, it says that the components, the constituency of the Christian believers in the United States. So as you break down into ethnicity, like Caucasians and you know, the African Americans and the Asians and you know, the mixed and others, the highest Christian proportion is not the white. The highest Christian components that are expressed is actually Asian and second, is the African-American, and then Hispanic. And the whites is the lowest. I was you know, greatly surprised what's going on over here. Because same thing happened in the society in the United States of America. A lot of white people leaving the church. Instead, newer people, diaspora, second generation, non-white, came to the church, and they filled the gap. There is a shifting happening since in 1985. So it's already 40 years now. Uh, 95, 2005, 30, 
three years, 33 years, something. It's, it's a big change. Every time it changes. Therefore, the leadership doesn't belong to the white church now here. If you go up like, you know, my friends, actually Tim Keller, the uh, Redeemer's Presbyterian Church, I had a one year uh, working together with him because of the Global Citizen Initiative that I had with Louis Bushin and others. And then his church members, 60% of the members are Korean. <laughs> Korean-American, 60%. And then the white members, only 11%. That's, you know, we, we say that's a white church. But in fact, inside it's no longer white church. If you have a mega church, like any church, Lake Warren Church, you go up there, half the number of the church members whites. No, 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 no more. It's non-whites. So everywhere, I don't know the uh, Bill Johnson case, but you know, in my survey, you cannot believe the components, the, the constituents of the, uh, the, the, the parish in these American churches are not, 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 not many white leaders, the white church members, mostly non-white. You could see the biggest change happening right now. Therefore, you know, this is the, no longer the giant rummage sale, because rummage sale meaning all the stocks that you have, like all the architectural design, you have the everything's harmonized, like you know, all the house style, you have the orders, lampstand, all the oven, etc. But if you have a new house, you don't need them all. You have to put the all the new things. In 21st century Christianity, we have to fill everything newer. Because the African culture, it's a Latin American culture, it's an Asian culture. Asian expression, uh, African expression, the non-white expression. You know, I can see that the way the culture's abundance, you know, the way they love Jesus Christ is different. In my opinion, when I was in Colombia or El Salvador and others, you know, I always think that the Lord, I wish I can have the second paradise if there is second paradise in, on earth. That's Latin America. Because the expression of their prayer, as I wish to yeah, imitate. Because, you know, the American people here, if you say, I love you, Lord, that's enough. But the way the uh, Latin America, I love you, Lord, and then, you know, they dance. And no matter what, but the way, truly entire body expression. And I felt like, oh my goodness, this is the way, you know, they enjoy. They love, they sing in more than an hour. But you know what is the problem? When I started the message, everybody depart. <laughs> so the same thing happened in Africa too. Three hours praise and worship, and then when I began my preach, and then you know, everybody departed. And then they go to the toilet and go to you know, playing. And they say, oh, no, 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 every time we can worship, that's we have a whole day worship service. I don't care that you preach, okay, I will come back. And then he come back later on tomorrow. <laughs> so, you know, there is always different way of expression. In this society, 21st century expression of Christianity is no longer, no longer European, no longer North American forms, no longer the Western design. It's a new. So therefore, it requires new design. 
and also new leadership. It's unbelievably new leadership. That's what we call Daniel's leadership. The old paradigm in Israel, they are very much stick into the Canaanite culture. The Canaanite culture that well, we are you know, wandering around in wilderness are, you know, for 40 years. And then you know, they have always like old style. Oh, there's abundance of the crops in Egypt. We have the abundance of the meats in Egypt because the nomadic and in agriculture, the husbandry we have all. In wilderness, we are so much suffering. And then we have to have our own home. So that's all the paradigm. The Lord said, don't stick on it. Because I want to create new things. But they didn't listen. That's why he cast out. And they go to the different nations. You know, they never experienced before the Babylonian culture. They never experienced the, uh, even Median and Persian culture. The new generation came out. That's a Daniel's generation. Although there's a father's memory was there. But a new expression. New way. So that's on Sunday tomorrow. I'm going to speak on that. The, how, why your church named the Hof. The house of prayer for everyone. Because there's a secret. You know, that's the, what Daniel understands, the secrecy of the Bible. Therefore, new creation he did is actually accomplished by Jesus Christ. What we say, the messianic fulfillment. Jesus actually fulfilled the, every prophet, the words, especially Daniel's prophecy. You know, when he came, that he mentioned that this is the way that I want. Therefore, you know, in this generation, God is requiring new leadership. You know, before, maybe 50 years ago, 60 or 100 years ago, if I am Korean, I can belong to be Slav people, meaning slavery. If I am, if I would have been Africans uh, 200 years ago, I would be in Servants or slave in this society. Now, no more slaves. There is no more ethnicity hindered. Therefore, I am so proud who I am. In my bloodline, you know, I like also Plaknos, Platnos. I like the, you know, my, you know it's, it, no matter handsome or ugly, no, that's not the word. I like what I'm looking like. I like what I'm, I have my bloodline. Because in this society, newer generation coming out. Even the components of Christianity in the United States is no longer white leadership. And everywhere there is, you know, the tradition you have, the European or North American, no more. And newer, but you know what you have? You have the American culture. You have the, uh, also your forefathers, your parents, the parents, the uh, traditions. And in your blood, you have the bicultural experience. And, you know, no people like a Daniel's expression. So Daniel is an Israelite, but in fact, he understands the Babylonian culture. He understands Median culture. Even he understands another dynasty, which is called the Persian Empire. So therefore, your case is like all of the world, you express all. From the heartland of America, Washington, this area, you can enhance everything like, you know, to the uh, west, to the west, that's the Europe, and to the west, to actually Asia, you are actually grieving. You know, you can, you can grab everything from your side. So what a wonderful people you are. And that's why I thought that you are wonderful. 
But you know, you don't think to yourself you're wonderful. But God said you're wonderful because in this generation, I will do new things, newer things. You know, the word according to Isaiah chapter 43, 18 to 21. You know, in the wilderness, in a new way that the high mountain leveled down. You know, there will be a new highway, but it's not done by the older people. The new people will come in and change the whole world. It's you, your face, your blood, your life, your culture, your ex experience will bring new global leadership. Therefore, brethren, how much of yourself the boss who you are? But not in a bad way, but a good way. How much of, you know, how much of yourself thinking that you are privileged? Because I believe, especially, you know, sometimes I'm not like you. You know, I'm first generation, so I told you yesterday because of my accent, I don't like speaking English, actually. That's my, one of the uh, problems. So, you know, sometimes when I hear that, oh, how can I correct? No, impossibly when Jesus comes. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I can say that who I am, see? Because I have my hindrances, I have problems. Before, it was dismarried, now married. Because my voice, my accent, my life, is a story of Jesus Christ for the new leadership in the world. So please, you are no longer ordinary. Because if you see the whole of the world, the whole world requesting the leadership from America, but not the white leadership, but the people who like you. Therefore, this new leadership has seven dimensions. So we call the, um, let me summarize, you know, the great shifting is 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000. So we have four times great shifting. And there are also seven areas of the great shifting happening in the 21st century. Number one, we call de-Christianization of Europe, meaning Europe Departed. De-Christianity is no longer. Departing. De-Christianization. So the post-Christian era living in Europe right now. And the second thing is the expansion of Islam. That's the Islamic religion in 1900. It's only we call the 250 million uh, Muslims. Now we have 1.8 billion Muslims. So 750% the growth in the last one century. Therefore, this expansion of Islam is tremendous. So this one is the greatest attack against Christianity and even to the coming of Christ. We have to solve this problem. So that's the second issue. Third one is the collapse of the Soviet Union and communism bloc. So that's the actually, you see the Russias and all of these things. You know, we have to see the greatest harvest is, uh, is ahead there. You know, so, the people from the United States, if you go to Poland, if you go to Ukraine, if you go to Russia, if you go to Georgia, you know, you can see they are waiting for that. And I pray that you just like in once in your life, you know, in your years, so probably maybe seven days, 10 days, if not long, maybe three days, you just go to Ukraine as short trip, short term mission trip, you will be the national breaker there. So that's, you don't know your, what position you are. But because who you are, you, you, know, you experience the presence of the Lord in this church, the Hope Church. And then when you go to the mission field, you realize you are no longer the ordinary member. You are a lady minister. You are the co-laborer of the gospel. 
you are late missionary to them. And in Chinese, you know, it's like uh, Chinese governments always expelled missionaries. Last year, the 3,000 missionaries they expelled. You know, modern day, the mission strategy says that staying in China is not advisable. Meaning, like, I do, I do the same things. Like, I teach there five days. It's tremendous impact over the society. And it came out. There is no record. It's much better than the missionary, missionary who stayed there for seven years in comparison to my five days ministry. So you think about all of you are being trained in this church as missionary. So believe that you know, it's not requiring you leaving your the office, leaving your job, leaving your family, but you and you with your children, mother, father, husband, and wife, together go to Ukraine, go to Poland, and then doing just like praying ministry, simply evangelism, it's the greatest impact over the pastors and ministers and society over there. So that's just once a year. Then you are lady missionaries to the world. And, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to learn because every people all over the world want to learn the American English. <laughs> so therefore, they are begging you, oh, please speak out in English so I will hear you. Then you just delay the Bible verses instead of how are you? Jesus loves you. And that's it. This, that's, I have a tremendous story in the Saudi Arabian royal family. That's the one Filipino made. They had, had the same things, and the entire family changed. And Kuwait, uh, the prince, is converted into Christianity because of the maid, because Bible verse memorization. And you know what? Your life, maybe if you spend just five days on a year outside of America, but that's incomparable for 500 years of missionary work. Because you are always praying here, and the Lord is bringing you to El Salvador, bringing you to the other country in North Africa, and you know, you will bring the fire into the nation. Hello, bye. <laughs> oh, you, you take out the joy from the boy. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm going to finish up. So, so that's, you know, okay, de-Christianization of Europe. And second one is the expansion of Islam, the collapse of the Soviet Union, the communism bloc. And the fourth is so-called the rise of China. So we have to pray for China. You know, that's my burden. You know, the Korea and the Philippines and America and Argentina and Brazil, the five major countries, and even Indonesia, but I believe, they are major uh, countries uh, which are able to help Chinese to do the missionary work. If 100 Chinese Christians are able to send out the missionaries, a million missionaries available right now out of 130 million Christians there. That's what I'm involved. So please pray about it, the rise of China. That's very important for us. And then the fourth one is we call the rise of global south, the majority world. So this one is the, you know, the old components and all others. The global south. So Louis Bush says that no longer global south. Please say that majority world because what the United Nations say. So in my book, I said instead of global south, I said the majority world. And then luckily, every university, every secular institution, there is no more global south. They used majority Christianity. So I'm so happy that I'm the first time that you wrote. So, and also they mention my book all the time. And that's my happiness. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> so 
you know, it's, it's the way the rise of global south. That's why we are living in this country, you know, enhancing both the beauty of America and beauty of the majority world. Therefore, you are privileged. Some people in China, some people in Korea, some people in Indonesia, they never experience American culture, Western culture. But we know. So you never thought about you are privileged. But I always envy you that how much you are privileged here in this country. So that's the one, the rise of majority world Christianity is the one. And the sixth one is actually the rise of the Pentecostal movements, this, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's out of the 7.2 billion population in the world. There are so-called the uh, 2 billion Christians in the world. So 1 billion Catholic and 240 Greek Orthodox and other Orthodox. And then 100 non-religious traditions so-called outside of the Catholic and Orthodox Church. And then there are only 700 Protestant churches out of the uh, so-called 2 billion. So the Protestant believers are not many. So 700 Protestant believers. Up there, you believe 800 charismatic and Pentecostal. So where are there 100 more? Where? Because there are Orthodox Pentecostal. There are Catholic Pentecostal. There are Egyptian Coptic Pentecostal. There are Muslim Pentecostals. Because they are different. Because they meet Jesus Christ. And, you know, they don't have their names. So they are outpouring the Holy Spirit all over the world. So the beauty we have today is the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, your church is very unique yesterday. And I, I, I told uh, Reverend Q. Kim says that the, uh, I enjoy the presence. But he said that we have always problems and we are tired, of course. Same things like. You know, when your protein lens is always enough to have the uh, rain, you are tired. Because the same thing happening. But when vagabonds, strangers came in, oh, what a land. What a beauty. You don't recognize. But someone can recognize. You're weary. You are tired. You see the same things. But outside, no. You are beautiful because many churches all over the world are dying. Western churches have died out. You know, the many traditional denominational churches, their churches service are very religious and liturgical. You see, their service, if you're singing, it's like tasteless. But you know, your church service is very tasty. <laughs> very tasty. But if you like always kimchi, 60 years, you don't like kimchi anymore. <laughs> but outside, oh, what a kimchi is. Same thing happened to you. Your presence is beautiful. You don't recognize it. But you have very unique church. Brethren, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is amazing. Please yearn more. Desire more of the Holy Spirit. Although you are tired, don't be, don't be disappointed. And although you seem like you, know, you are not refilled yet, don't be surprised. It's enough. Refreshing is coming every day. Although yesterday you're tired, no, 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 today there is new anointing. Yesterday, enough, you thought, you thought no, 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 today there is a new anointing comes. Hallelujah. Amen. So enjoy it because this is new and wonderful time.
And the last one, the seventh, is, you know, there are 7.2 billion people all over the world right now. So in my book, I already wrote, however, this is what we call the age of diaspora. You know, today, out of 7.2 billion, 700 million people living outside of their homelands. Now, whether you are travelers, immigrants, whether you are the defectors, refugees, whatever you are called, it's a one in 10 living in outside their homelands. God is scattering all of the world. So God is working through the diaspora. So the, not from the original people, not from the long timers, but from the diaspora. This is the age of Daniel. So we are living in a diaspora. So therefore, if you are diaspora, especially if you have more mixture, you are blessed. So his, this, this brother is one in eight. It's the Korean blood. I wish the one in eight, the Chinese blood. But whatever you have, many blood is much better. <laughs> Because you can have more relationship with many others all over the world, brethren. So therefore, diaspora is the greatest network, like what Apostle Paul has networks in the time. Through these networks, you can go to the nation. And these networks brings fire. So brethren, and I told you this, the uh, seventh area, and then the global leadership to you, this beginning from the diaspora, you know, you must be equipped, so-called the holistically equipped. Therefore, the, you know, this leadership requires you is there is no more closed-man leadership in the world. Diaspora era, all lay leadership. In, in the, the missionary components, modern days, 460,000 uh, missionaries, including Catholic missionaries all over the world, 70% are lay leaders. But we expect in two, 20 years, 90% of the missionaries will be the lay leaders. So the missionaries will be like you. So you don't need to be a minister. You don't need to be an ordained minister. So it's like people who you are, because you know, there is more restriction in the Islamic world. If I'm a pastor, minister, I cannot. But if you're a businessman, if you have the, uh, any kind of entrepreneurial things, you can easily go over. Therefore, you are much more privileged than the ministers. So this is the way that God is going to use. And second, that's, you know, lay leadership is the new way of the God is doing. And second one is the multicultural leadership. And there is no more leadership coming from the single cultural leadership, monocultural leadership. The, as long as you're involved in multicultural leadership, you are more privileged. You know, if you have more Brazilian culture, if you have more Korean culture, American culture, European culture, so I wish you have eight, at least eight ethnicity over. Like my mother's side is Brazilian, my father's side is the, uh, the Poles, and then the, from my father's side, the Russians and Finnish. And then, you know, if you have more, you have more. So that's the multicultural, we call the multiculturalism is actually the way that God spread the gospel through the whole of the world. So, you know, before the Korean people always say the monolithic culture, now I hope that Korean people should come out of that way. So I hate that actually, <laughs> you know, because when they stay there, they isolate it. But you know, when you come out of the culture and you know how to appreciate other culture, 
the different culture, different expression, and you enjoy. So there are way that multiculturalism is actually the biblical interpretation because the apostle Paul living in the uh, Greek culture and he was living in India, also totally Greek mythology, yet he grabbed the biblical fundamental truth. So we need this. And third, that we say that, you know, the, a lot of people want to be the Sunday Christian. Because tomorrow, your church hope, and I want to say why the house of prayer is important. But there is requiring no more Sunday Christians. We are requiring everyday Christians because we omit six days allegiance because Monday through Saturday, oh, we are living like a non-Christian alike. Then on Sunday, we become very holy. Oh, holy, holy, holy. <laughs> and then on Monday, oh, I like the pornography. I like the everything. And you know what? This is not what the Bible says. God is requiring the everyday Christian. So Monday to Friday, you are missionary to your office, you are missionary to your home, you are missionary to your school, you are missionary to your place. And then Sunday we gather together, celebrate what we did. That's the way we do. But many Christians traditionally, they are Sunday Christians. So that's a separation. And then, you know, this one, Sunday Christians are not the way that God wants us to be. So we believe. Fourth one, sometimes believe, oh, this gentleman is gifted in intercession. You know, someone told me that, oh, this gentleman is very wonderful spiritual warfare prayer warrior. Well, I think there are some special gift. But we call, we are totally called the priesthood of God's vineyard, meaning we are called all the priesthood. So there is no longer, you know, some of the <clears throat> like exclusive position because all of us are uh, given us the way that we are the intercessor. The priesthood is another way called the intercessors because on behalf of Filipino, on behalf of China, on behalf of others, we bring this prayer to the Lord because you are the one the mediating between God and the secular world. Brethren, at least five minutes a day, if you are interceding on behalf of nation, you're a wonderful missionary. So please don't neglect the position God has given unto you because we are all the intercessors of priesthood of Christ. And, and you know, sometimes we think that this discipleship the mentor, mentee, or teacher and students' leadership. But you know, many churches today seem to be only pastor is the leader, and that every audience is a listener. Because the mega church, one wonderful speaker, and 7,000 members listening. I think there is no way that the Bible expresses. You know, even in until uh, time the uh, 313 when the Constantine the Great uh, recognized the Christianity. So in my survey, because in European history, we say that there is no church building even until 300. No church building, no big gathering, 
So how did it be happening when Christians gather together if, you know, uh, uh, like a Saturday service comes? The way you have to always the house worship service. Therefore, small group meeting. So this, you know, we have always have the cell group meeting. I'm so happy today have the at Pastor Mimi's house. This is a biblical model. You know, the fellowship is always omitted in, in the mega church because the one pastor speaks and everybody just listens. No practicing fellowship, no, you know, fellowship in one another, and that there is no any brotherhood, so-called solidarity. You know, there is no way that we share together. The, the mega church doesn't have that. So we have to always have this, this small group meeting because Chinese, Indonesians, all of the world, always small church growth brings the greatest revival. So you should be the leader in the small group so that if you are not able to teach Bible, you never teach any other people. So to your children, to our family, to our small group, there must be always a chance to teach so that you can teach others. That's the new way of the discipleship. So small group leaders together the discipleship training in a way that this smaller meeting more uh, you know, encouraged in the church. So I think the Hope Church does well. So today I'm happy that you know, we have this beautiful meeting at the uh, Pastor Mimi's house. Thank you, Pastor Mimi. Although many people will make your house dirty, I think, you know. <laughs> I'm happy that you will be work hard, amen. So no need of dietary, hallelujah. So, so I believe this is the way we have the new paradigm European society never had. But the only one time they have these small, smaller meetings when the pietist movement in Germanic traditions after the Reformations, like Spencer or, you know, the, the others actually did. So this is the new way of the spiritual movements. Last, I want to finish. So many of you want to go to the toilet, I know. <laughs> okay. Last one, brethren believe everyone has spiritual gift. Please find out what spiritual gift you have. You know, there are many ways, like the Romans chapter 12, whether you serve, encourage, counseling, leadership, sharing, giving. Ephesians chapter 4, 12 and 13, apostles, evangelists, and pastors, and, you know, teachers, and prophets. And not only for that, there are others, the actually, the Bible tells us, there are so many other gifts, you know, in New Testament alone, more than 94, Old Testament, 126 spiritual gifts. There are tremendous spiritual gifts. Everywhere there are things that we can do. Everyone has to find out what gift I have. So the like this brother has beautiful uh, musical gift. So he always gives the joy of music. How, 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 how privileged you are. <laughs> I am you, oh my goodness, I don't have that gift. But you know, in fact, in comparison to some people, I think I'm the, the least. But however, I enjoy my gift because God knows the best portion to you. So every time you ask God, the Lord, I want to have the gift so that I can use and maximize. That's a talent. May the Lord bless you all, Lord. Father, we thank you for this beautiful church. And I just survey. Uh, 
uh, it's a 2,000 year history as the great emergence and the holistic leadership. And I pray, Father, this Hope Church is the um, modeling church to the world because this beautiful fellowship, prayer, and presence of the Holy Spirit and the missionary mind and missionary church mindsets, everything what church has is beautiful. Therefore, Father, I pray these brethren here, O oh Lord, will not be ordinary alone, but to be extraordinary to your sight so that you can use them all for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Okay. I know you got everything, right? <laughs> I mean, I just love the history, how things and different uh, perspective of looking at things. The five-year, five-hundred-year transition shifting was very informative. It reminds me we are living in a very special time. And, uh, and I'm so grateful. Everything is shared. I feel like I was affirming what we are doing at Hope Church. Anyway, I'm not do, trying to do this. <laughs> but, uh, uh, if I, um, any question you want to ask uh, Dr. Elijah Kim, and anything you want to ask from his marriage to kids and whatever you want to ask, you can ask and he will maybe, maybe he will give you some answers if he wants to. So feel free to ask some questions. But please, not the difficult question. <laughs> yes? I don't have a question, I just have a comment. I could listen to you forever. How you explained and went through that 500,000, couple thousand history was amazing. It's the best I've ever heard. It's like when you were saying about the Celtic and the Irish that up in the mountains, so that's why the Irish, the Scottish, the, it was amazing. You just explained in, in just such a succinct summary of how all of Europe came to be. Thank you. But that's not a question. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I have a question. Yes. Okay, so, um, you're talking about how all of us are priesthood, and part of being the priesthood is intercessors. Yes. But then there's also 96 spiritual gifts. Yes. So, as a priesthood, I think some I've always learned or been taught that intercession is yeah. a gift or a calling. Yes. So that's a paradigm shift for me that as the priesthood, as, as people that are set apart, that's supposed to be something everybody does. Yes. So what are some other of those things that everybody's supposed to do versus the gifts and talents that yes. maybe some people have and some people don't? That's right. I think that question is very, um, very profound. Uh, thank you for that question. It's a very profound question. So the, uh, we call the First Peter chapter 2, it says that we are called royal family and chosen people and the hidden treasure or maybe treasured people of the world and all our priesthoods. That's a four areas. So number one, royal family means like we have, in, in Hebrew terms called kingly, kingly family, so mamluk, meaning we are the ruler. So that's the, uh, you know, God has given us the power to rule over the world or rule over the universe. That's number one. Number two, we are chosen, not by your will, not by their will, but by his will. Mm -hmm. We are chosen. So the Israelites say that they are the only chosen people, but Peter says that you are chosen. He, he he shifted the paradigm, not the Israelites, but when you are in Christ, 
you are chosen. So that's a different paradigm. And then he said that the, uh, you know, we are actually so-called the treasure of the world. That this treasure is to be interpreted into the way uh, the victory in the war has to gain. Uh, there, is, there is a war that you see the enemy. If I can just put down the enemy, the everything, not the looting, I mean, I can get every their possession as mine. That's what the Romans did. So the enemy is owned by Satan right now, meaning the world, the government, system, arts, you know, education, etc. So the Satan claiming, oh, I'm the king. So we never gain that government. We never gain the power over the arts and the educations and entertainments, etc. Mm -hmm. And this treasure belongs to God, but claimed by Satan now. So the God says to take it to your hands and claim it for my name's sake. That's the treasure. That's the Hebrew terms. I explain in deep meaning, but however, let me just clarify for that. Then you are the priesthood. It's because unless you are the royal chosen and the, you have the, the treasure of the world, you are no longer priesthood. But why are you a priesthood? Meaning that Israel is not the uh, genetically Israel, but they are the channel of the global redemption. You know, the, the purpose of Israel is not Jewish people alone, but the whole world. Therefore, very purpose of the word of the Lord is for the whole world. Because the, only the revelation comes through the Israel. So that's, you know, the Israel becomes the channel. That's another way in the media. The intercession meaning is actually, you know, the agent. So there, you know, it's like there's a car accident happening. And then you don't know what to do. The best way you could do is you can call the insurance agent. What can I do? An insurance agent is a professional. Oh, okay, calm down, wait for a while, just call the police and then just get the report. And you know, the victims and you know, the others, just like a professional came in. It's just the insurance covers everything. Same thing here. The sinners don't know what to do because this, the Buddhists, Muslims, they don't know what to do. But in the eyes of the Lord, they are all condemned. They're waiting for the uh, condemnation and judgment. Now we understand atonement. Now we understand the redemption. Now we understand the forgiveness. So we say to the Lord, Lord, wait, wait, wait for a while. I was a sinner before like them. I was a Buddhist. I was Muslim. I was non-Christian. But as a sinner, I came to you. So can you wait for a while? Because and then to the sinner, I say, wait for a while. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. But I was like you. I sinned against God. I didn't know God. So from their perspective, I can explain Christ. So I become the mediator. That's the meaning, the so-called, the intercessor. So this we call the priesthood is Israel is the priesthood to the world. No other nationals can understand God because they experience first with God. And when they disobey, God judged them. When they obey God, God blessed them. When they return to the Lord, and God gave them messianic prophecy. So that's why Israel can understand. So out of that, some of them believe in Christ. 
So we become same people. Therefore, between the world, you know, we can negotiating between God and the people who are going to be condemned. Therefore, we are the priesthood. So in many ways, so the first one, intercession, is not only by prayer. That's the number one. The intercession, please don't limit the intercession as prayer alone. Intercession is the way of life. Now, many people misunderstand the intercessors just like simply praying. You have to go to, go to church and then pray more than an hour. That's not an intercessor. Please. <laughs> intercessor is living. Intercessor is living, meaning you live like, you know, in your, in your office, in your job. You know, no, no Christians there, but they don't know how to believe in Christ. But you live like Christ. We call it Christ-like. You are the in intercessors in your job. Therefore, when people see you, they see Christ in you. When people are looking at you, and they see the crisis in you, because you are able to negotiate in the mediating between God and the world to be condemned. Therefore, the intercession is not the one area, so many areas, seven area, we call the seven mountains, seven spheres, you know, even not only for that, you know, every area. So we have, but what's, what is the difference between the intercession and spiritual gift? It's like we can eat, we can sleep, that's the intercession. But there are different jobs, like you, somebody is called chef, somebody called driver, somebody called like the professor. There are different jobs. That's a spiritual gift. That the, that's the uh, uniqueness, you know, the, we call the specialty. When you, you know, you don't like singing every time if God is asking you, singing, and then that's suffering. See? <laughs> so there's a specialty. But this guy, no problem. <laughs> Let him do all on. But, you know, but we have all different things, right? You know, it's like you, your kids, like, one child likes always singing. The other child always, you know, drawing. It's a different one. So we have all different things. Someone serving well. Someone always cooking well. Someone cleaning well. Someone, all different jobs. The Bible already mentioned a lot. You know, so someone to be served. Someone to serve. We call Martin model, Marian model. So Marian model to be served. Martin model to serve. Which is better? Someone to be served, <laughs> someone to serve. You know, there are always gifts. So we have this, the high priesthood as the uh, so-called mediating between God and the world is also different from the way we have the spiritual gift because we can make who we are by using the spiritual gift. So, you know, everyone else has different spiritual gifts. We believe a lot, a lot. Yesterday in your church when I pray, it, this is my joy. Whenever I touch the people, I see different color, different taste. <laughs> Sometimes I smell it. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, I mean spiritual, spiritual taste. Don't, don't say physical taste. Don't bring fragrance. No, 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 I hate that. But everyone has very beautiful, you know, spiritual taste. That's your things, you know. What you, what you, it's like someone, you know, maybe, I don't know, or the one child was abused and then overcome and they become a Christian and there is another beauty as a 
beauty of Victor. See? You know, there are all different cases. So we have always different kinds of story and traces. No matter what kind of story you have, but God says, if you overcome, you're beautiful. Then you have your own special things that you can maximize. You know, if you like always the cooking you do, if you always like to teach, please teach. If you always evangelize, please evangelize. If you always want cleaning the church, please do so. <laughs> and if you always have the million dollars to give, please do so. <laughs> because, you know, Bible says that that's a spiritual cheerful giver. It's a spiritual gift. I, I, I met a lot of people, cheerful giver. You know, the first time when I was in the Philippines, I, I came to the Philippines as empty hand. And one Filipino lady shake my hand. And on my farm, there's a 500 pesos. That, that, that's the first time that I received money. The money doesn't come from the millionaire. You know, so there are all different ways. Please do so, so that you can maximize your talents. Then you can say that this is incomparable to the amount. This will be comparable to the substance. Because you give one denarion, you give two rima, but God says that this is the greatest giver. Because God's calculation is different. Because if you maximize your gift, the calculation, the compensation on heaven will be different. So therefore, you know, everyone has any calling and gift, please do so. So that's what I believe. So the profound question gives me always the uh, troubles and complications. <laughs> uh, you know, thank you. Thank you. Okay, anybody else? Yes. Uh, what, do you, what advice would you give about leading from a low position? Like, for example, if you're in a job, if you have a very low position in a job, mm-hmm. and I guess in my small group, like most of my members are uh, older than me. Mm-hmm. So in terms of having that leadership position where you're the younger one and they have to listen to a younger one, mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's kind of tri- tricky to navigate. Mm-hmm. And also with, like, significant other, if she's older, you know, like, and she has to kind of, like, submit to you, but you're younger and less experienced. Like, how would you, what would you advise in terms of leading from a low position? Well, I think, you know, in heaven there is no lower or higher position. But, you know, the heaven appreciate more lower position than the higher position. Because in all earth, the president and king and queen and noblemen are highly appreciated. In heaven, lower, 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 lower is the greatest appreciated people. So therefore, you know, we think that here in, on earth, you know, whenever something, the position given, and we think about, okay, what is the best work that I can do for the Lord? That's the, uh, the first one. Not about the society or the community which you involve. Second thing, is it the way that you can maximize the gift? But, you know, I understand a lot of people who are living in the very low, low positions, but God upgrade them, like Joseph, the lowest position, but he becomes a higher position. It doesn't matter the position, but how you work well. Because it, it is not important what position you have, some position you have like a presidency in the country, but if this person doesn't wear, he becomes very humiliated. Because it is not important the position, it is important how much you maximize your role as exemplary person. So I believe you will do. Yes. I was amazed about the story told about that uh, Filipino maid yeah. in Kuwait. Yes. How, you know, and she got the whole family all family uh, trans- uh, transformed they became Christians and to the point the sheik I mean probably uh, able to uh, influence I remember you telling us sharing a number of years ago how 
Filipinos are very different. Yeah. And there are more Filipinos in more nations than any other people group, more than Chinese, more than Koreans. Filipinos are more nations. Yeah. But often Filipinos go in very more uh, service uh, uh, focus areas. They tend to transform very differently. And, and I remember that story when you mentioned about uh, uh, even Kuwait as uh, such an encouragement. So I think we think in this world, we think we lead by from the top. We, and, and we rule people and changes. Yet uh, I'm hearing where you know, people in comfortable places just serving. And yet in the long run, you do change, you do transform. Yeah. And uh, it's very encouraging. And the, uh, the, the one of the Filipino made in Singapore uh, serving the uh, Confucianist Buddhist family for, I think, the more than seven years. And the landlords uh, influenced by the maid and accepted Christianity. And uh, he asked that, what do you want to do? So because, in fact, he's the second position, second richest people in Singapore. So he is, is, but not all of the world, second richest person in Singapore. So he requested the maid, what do you want? She said, I don't want any money. So what do you want? I want the church in China. So this millionaire in Singapore began to build the school in China, Chongqing, Onam, and many others. So the 700 schools established. There are several, several thousand missionaries involved there, there. So, you know, sometimes we think about the position, you know, it's like a maid. I think that's the highest position because you, how, how do you dare to go to the king's family? You cannot go. But the only the way you have to serve, whether you're cleaning, whatever. But God doesn't care because this is what John Calvin said. We are all called as holy priests. You know, we are all called the priesthood. You know, no matter what job, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so sometimes we think our position is low. No, no, don't care about it because God cares about the position. But when God is infiltrating into the uh, other people's area, then, you know, amazing thing happens. So then all you are here is a beautiful position here in America. But when you go to other countries, like if you go to Uganda, and they will look up to you because you are a teacher there. Or they want to hear, because what you have learned here, the ordinary people in Uganda never graduate from the high school. So you are like a professor there. So, you know, you think that how you are privileged. So that, you know, we are, and then also this beautiful church, you are privileged. No amen. amen. <laughs> Yeah, you said that it's not a profound question, but there's a hard discussion. 
So I believe the uh, scholarship of the history is different from the case what we believe. The faith is different from the learning. So when you think that the, uh, we can have faith in Christ through the learning, it's, it's nonsense. The faith is beyond of learning, beyond of logics and rationality. So if someone wants to believe in Christ from studying, I think that's almost impossible. Almost impossible. Because suddenly we just recognize. You know, more likely in English terms, we comprehend. Not try to understand, not try to learn, not try to study. But suddenly, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm simple man. I need Jesus. This is like a, such a point, like, you know, you, you always use your umbrella. You never had any uh, rain wet in your body. Suddenly, you're just pointing the umbrella and rain falling down to you. I think that's the way the people receive Christ. It's not from the logic. It's not from the rationality. Therefore, your daddy is needed encountering Christ. So, you know, from, although I will recommend the best book, he never, never believing in Christ because he will try to find out always the gap. Oh, this why I am not believing in Christ. Because the Bertrand Russell, the best philosopher in England, his the beautiful book is Why Am I Not a Christian? That's the title. Because he read the Bible and try to watch the problem of Jesus. And this is the uh, we call the literal in the we call the uh, the most liberal theology on in, in the world in, from German, and he used the logics and rationalities. And then miracles in the Bible is impossible. Birth and birth of Christ is impossible. And the miracles in red uh, parting the sea is impossible. Therefore, he eliminated all the miracles and the story of Jesus, the signs and wonders are not, uh, not possible. So therefore, he made a very common story. Then Western society collapsed because of the Italian theology, because they used their philosophy and logic. Because how do you believe the Christ brought from the virgin? You know, that's the beginning of Christianity, unless the spirit touches. So that's why not to convincing him, instead, just pray for him. Lord, someday let him just encounter. Someday just let him just see Christ. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you know, usually like, like your dad, you know, he's a very logic man, but when your church worship service, by accident, whatever, any occasion, suddenly he comes into the presence of the Holy Spirit, he fears. And suddenly he recognizes, I'm a simple man. So that's the only way we can save. And, um, and then, after that, he can understand the Bible. He can, he can even comprehend why the Bible is like that. So, you know, that's not the human nature we could do, only the spiritual realms that God can do. I have one question. Yeah. Um, even when even you're rehearsing some of the histories, but uh, still Western-based history. What about, uh, uh, is there other historical uh, review of the world away from Western-based understanding? I don't know, I don't, do you know what I'm getting at? Because I think the, even the 5,500 years shiftings still based on a sort of uh, in a more Western area. 
Because you know, and apparently there should be a, there, there must be history, like a civilization in China and Asia where you know it's probably a little different. And, and then the uh, that Western that I think historical system. Yeah, that's the uh, profoundest question in the world. It's the most difficult and the most profound question. So profoundest. That's the adjective. Um, but in fact, that's what you are doing, what I am doing, what we are doing. I think we are, we are writing history right now. Whether you believe, you know, it's, the new history comes from us right now. So that's what I believe. However, when I wrote my book, actually, they say that uh, non-white Asian scholar, that's what they say. And my book becomes textbooks in several institutions and universities in the United States. Because they see my book, what the Westerners never see themselves. We call the angles. Like Reverend Q. Kim's, like, you know, maybe the, your couple relationship, the husband and wife, whatever you say, that's a common thing. But when someone comes to you, he will see you not as typical white American, but like diaspora American. So they see the beauty from you. That's why what you have, but you, know, you never know what you have. Same things like you know, outside of America, outside the West, is the um, <coughs> histories, the academic scholarship. Everything used to be in the Western mindset. So that's why they are not able to see the problems. They are not able to diagnose what the cancer they have. They are not able to see how the history is spread all over the world. When non-Westerners say, and they're surprised. And then they rejected it 100 years ago. So they, there's, their voice was not being heard. Their voice was not recognized. Now, if I say, they listen. If you say, they listen. Because even though they understand, they cannot say once again. Because the, the words coming out through my body, the words coming out through your body, meaning your life is the channel. Your life is a story. Therefore, uh, being in Asian, being in non-Westerners, being non-Caucasians, I think you know, that's what we are and who we are and you know, what, what kind of people we are. But how do you, how do you also continue to continue, continue put this as the non-white people to, uh, for the whole world? I think it's already done. You know, in 21st century, uh, Lausanne movements, Mike Law is a Korean American, and the uh, WEA, the Filipino, the Bishop Ephraim Tandero, and then all global leadership right, right, right now, the mission agencies, the uh, Wycliffe, the Korean men. Uh, I, you know, it's like suddenly changing. All the leadership go into Asians. And then, you know, they are listening to Asians. And it's surprising. The books, if the white people say, oh, no, no, because when they read, no difference. However, when some people say, wow, because the perspective you see the inside out, you're always living in the isolation, same inside out. In the world, deep well, you see the inside out. But outside in, 
they see many multi-dimensions, the multi-angles. So you have more angles you have looking into. Therefore, you can see different dimensions. So now 4D, before there was always 2D. You know, the 2D is like inside out, but the 4D is like is multiple area. And then there's this sort of layer. Is you know the layer, inside layer, the cultural layer, ethnic layer. Now we have outside layer. You can see the everything's from outside to in. So therefore, uh, I believe we are here is living in a privileged time because what I can see, I am given. Bye, thank you. <laughs> I am given the wonderful by. Uh, spectacle, meaning the eyeglasses. Our ethnicity is the already uh, beautiful glass. Because before we, we are not appreciated, now we, we are more likely appreciated. Because our angles, because you already see inside out, at the same time you can see outside in. Two angles already. So, and then if you can uh, edit more, like your experience in outside this country, so being here as American citizens, you don't know, but you know, I see always beauty in you. That's what you see, like American churches always like, uh, along with the brothers, like very liturgical, very rational preaching, very uh, humane thinking, the cultural preaching, but the Asians not preaching like that. They preach more likely spiritual atmosphere, more empirical, is more likely experiential. So that's what the American church has lost. So you can stimulate other churches doing this. So in this case, I think your church is very unique, and also your, your leadership positions. You know, uh, I think the every single one of you are given the leadership position because. Leaders doesn't come out of the one time, but it comes out of the many multiple layer of the uh, culturalism. So your experience here will be the great privilege because some people never had, because they are still living in their enclaves, but we are different in enclaves. So therefore, in these occasions, you are still on training. Then this training will make you to be a global leaders. That's what I believe.